Blog Talk Radio. Greetings and good evening and welcome to tonight's edition of the Vibrarian Show. My name is Joelle and I am here to elevate, enlighten, and empower with information that I trust you will find informational and entertaining, to say the least. I'm here every week on the Vibrary Radio Network on Blog Talk Radio, bringing you conversations and situations and, and examinations of things that I find interesting. On Tuesday evening, the Psychic Inside Show is an opportunity for us to listen to stories from people who have opened up to their psychic gifts and abilities to kind of understand what that looked like for them. I believe everyone is psychic, so hopefully in hearing these stories, you might hear something that helps you recognize an aspect of yourself that you might not have been comfortable with before. These are great interviews and conversations, and every Thursday on this show, it is an exploration. I like to call it kind of like a cross between Indiana Jones and like the Temple of Doom and the Quest for the Grail and X-Files looking for the truth that is definitely out there. If you are wanting to connect with the community, you can call the show during the broadcast. The show line is 646-787-8436. If you're on listening and you want to join the conversation, just press pound one, and I'll, that lets me know that you want to come on the air. I'll definitely bring you on as soon as possible. And if you are listening to this show through any of the podcast directories, Welcome and thank you. Those of you who are getting it on iTunes and Stitcher and other forums. Also, on YouTube, you can catch the replays that are posted on the Vibrary YouTube channel. All of the interviews plus other experiences and information and readings, it's all kind of information there that you can check out. And the Vibrary is V-I-B-E. R-A-R-Y, and Vibrarian is V-I-B-E-R-A-R-I-A-N. What's the E for? It's about energy, and I am here to spread as much positivity as possible. I absolutely love to connect with you, the community that I like to call the Good Vibe Tribe. You can use that hashtag if you're on Instagram or Twitter. Also, you can use Get Lifted. If you see something that is makes your day brighter, something that you think needs to be shared, please tag me. Let me know because I would love to amplify and pass on that piece of positivity as far as I, and wide as I can. I think we do way too much sharing of the negative, and I would rather be in the position where I am contributing something that is elevational out into the collective, and I would love to pass on your messages. Please do look at the ways that you can connect with community, and if you have any questions or topics that you would like to have covered on future shows, please just drop me a line, direct message me on Instagram or Facebook, or send me an email, uh, or give me a call at 404-939-6411. So, okay, all that housekeeping is out of the way, and I wanted to talk tonight about a subject that I think is very important. So, on my little graphic and things that I prepared, um, you know, the topic of the night is thoughts and our reality. So when I was looking for a way to illustrate this, what came to mind was a movie from, a scene from a movie that is kind of like a cult classic now. It was out back in the 80s, which is kind of my teenage years, and it is the movie Ghostbusters. Who are you going to call, right? 
I think everybody is familiar with it, even if you happen to catch the remake in current time. So the whole premise of Ghostbusters is these folks are out there, they're fighting uh, the bad ghosties and trying to wrangle them up and keep them from harming people. And so they're running all over the streets of New York. It's an awesome movie. It's a lot of fun. Now, as we get into the end of one of the plots, there was like this arch villain kind of character who was, of course, plotting the demise of all humanity, as always the villains are trying to do. And he was challenging the Ghostbusters, and they'd been unable to defeat him. So he says, you know, I'm going to create this thing out of whatever is in your mind. So the Ghostbusters are all saying to each other, clear your mind, clear your mind, don't think about anything, don't think about anything. That way he can't use it against us. So they all clear their mind, and then you hear this sound off in the distance. It's these big kind of Godzilla-like steps. And into the movie scene walks this big puffy being known as the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. And they're all looking at each other like, who thought of something? What happened? Somebody didn't clear their mind. And the one guy is like, I thought of something from my childhood, something that was innocent and made me happy and smile. And they're like, what did you think of? He was like, it's the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. And they're like, oh, no, because this was like the evil version of the state Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, who then proceeds to wreak havoc on downtown, you know, New York City, on all the iconic things that we see in all of the New York scenes and movies. So he's wrecking shop like Godzilla kind of, or King Kong, getting ready to climb to the top of the buildings. And the way that they eventually defeat him is that the people begin to sing this happy song <clears throat> that makes them, uh, your love is lifting me higher, I think was the name of the song. And basically it activates this goo that they've discovered and it counteracts the evil of the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man and he is melted away, burned, and of course everything is victorious and the Ghostbusters go on to fight another day in another movie. So, that scene has always been interesting to me. And I was having a discussion with a friend just the other day, and she was talking about her reality right now and what was going on for her. And I wound up being presented with this conversation about the state of Marshmallow Man and how important it is to look at what you are creating in your thought space. So, you know, that's kind of the theme for the evening is how is it that we are creating things that could either become a beautiful dream or a terrible nightmare of a monster situation. So we know that as a man thinketh, so a man doeth. There's hundreds of things that you can use to talk about uh, the power of the brain. Energy goes where attention flows. So one of the things that I totally embrace as a framework is that I have the opportunity to create my own reality at any given time. I am living in whatever I envision. So at the first layer of this kind of framework is 
the idea that, like, if I think that I'm going to have a bad time when I go out somewhere, then more than likely I will have a situation that mirrors my thoughts about it. Um, we've all heard people say, oh, I'm going to get sick. Everybody in the office is sick. I'm going to get sick. So the chances are they are actually going to get sick because they've been thinking about and adapting that statement as part of their truth. So here we are. If you think that you're in a bad situation, it was likely a bad situation. If you think that you're in a good situation, then it can shift your perspective to the more positive end of the meter. I think that is super important because a lot of us spend a lot of time in thought. They said, I think the average person has something like 80,000 thoughts in a day. I mean, it's like some astronomical number, but there is a percentage that it's like 70% of the thoughts that you think on any given day are actually not new thoughts. They're just restatements or continuing to process previously stated or received thought patterns. So that's where the patterning comes in. If you're spending all of this kind of mental space and energy laying down these tracks and pathways and you're only adding a small portion of the pie with new thoughts on a daily basis, you're, you're wearing out the repetitive thoughts over and over and over again. So what can happen then is if your meter is skewed to negativity, if let's say there's just a little bit of pessimism, it doesn't have to be full-blown negativity. That's what we see when we see that classic Winnie the Pooh character, Eeyore, the little sad donkey who no matter what you say, he's always like, well, oh, it's not that great. Hmm, it might be good for you. It's like constantly he does not know, as a character, he does not know how to experience something that is positive. He only knows how to see everything as rainy, gloomy, and dooming. And so if you are having repetitive thought patterns that are going around the track that are pessimistic or gloomy or doomy, then more likely you're building a rut. You're building a track, a pathway that becomes very easy then to exist in. So what do you do when you want to look at how you think about stuff? Because most of the time we're on autopilot. We're just out here experiencing things. We're responding to the world that's happening to us um, you know, on any given day. So our thoughts are just kind of running willy-nilly through our brain space. Um, I've heard the term the monkey mind. The monkey mind is like the little chitter-chatter, constant conversation that's happening. So one of the ways to begin to step back from thoughts and figure out then where there's a pattern presenting itself that you may not have realized is mindfulness. And we all hear about mindfulness and meditation and, you know, taking the time to kind of get into this Zen space. Now, the thing about the, the whole meditation issue is most people will say, 
oh, my God, I can't even meditate. I keep trying, but I can't really get it together, you know. Like, I just can't be still that longer. I just can't get my mind to stop racing when I'm trying to do it. I feel like that or have felt like that in the past. I've learned new ways of connecting with my thoughts, thankfully. <laughs> so um, it is absolutely possible to create new habits. But, you know, the mindfulness thing actually can be a lot simpler than what people think it is. Even taking five minutes of your time purposely out of the day to just sit and be, to not be thinking about your next task, your next thing that you have to do, your next appointment, not looking at your phone to see how many notifications you've missed, not talking to anybody, but just like really being still, even if just for five minutes. Preferably, you'll be able to engage that kind of experience to be longer over time. But, you know, a lot of people start from a point of my life is just really too busy. I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to set aside. I wish I could meditate, but it just never seems to work out for me. When you pause just for that moment, those few minutes, you breathe, and then you center yourself and Focus on just being inside of your body, inside of your awareness. Most of us don't really pause for the cause, if you will, throughout our day. We just stay busy, busy, busy. One trick that I tell people all the time is when you are in your shower or your bath, that is a perfect opportunity to put in a pause, a thought pause, okay? So as you are standing there, a lot of times people are either listening to music, their little morning music routine, or you're thinking about your day, or you're thinking about the conversations that you wanted to have or the conversations that you just had. You're actively doing something with your brain while you're kind of automatically going through your hygiene routine. You know, top to the bottom, behind the ears, behind the knees kind of thing. You're not even thinking about what you're doing with your body. You're thinking about other things because your muscle memory and your routine memory is helping you manage your preparation for work or your preparation for bed. So rather than doing that, if you were to focus that few minutes on the experience of the water, the temperature of the water, as it touches your skin, as it runs across your body, as you lather the soap and feel the soap, um, all of this is connecting with where you are right now in that moment. Most of our thoughts are connecting with either the future or the past, not about where we are at that particular time. So as a way to bring mindfulness into your daily routine, try the shower opportunity or the bath opportunity and just be in that space with yourself and then start to see how your energy shifts a little bit then as your day, your day may go a little differently because you've actually paused and given yourself a space to 
either get grouped or to regroup, if it's, say, the end of the day versus the beginning of the day. But in any case, you do these things every day, just like you brush your teeth every day, you wash your face every day, you wash your butt every day. You take time to connect with the present moment every day. Now, these are old ha- these are hard habits to shift and to break, but it is absolutely possible with purpose and intention for you to put yourself in a position where you can then observe better what is happening in your reality. And as you put in that pause moment and just breathe, when you decide to reconnect and then begin to commence your day and proceed with going out and about to do the world that you're going to be doing, you will be probably much more calm, centered, and focused than you would have been had you just woke up and hit the ground running, um, you know, just moving from wakeful state to thought state to active state to stress state and so on and so forth until you crash and lay your head down on your pillow at night. So what is happening is if you are allowing your thoughts to just run away and to drive your reality, then you will be subject to that reality rather than your reality being subject to you. So there is a reversal of the dynamic that can happen if you are looking at then pausing to see, okay, I'm from a place of stillness going to observe what comes into my mind space. And if I immediately start picking up and thinking about, well, rent is due next month and I need to get this together and this is happening and i got this project due, you can start to like meter those thoughts a little bit and say, you know what, let's slow down. Uh, we've got some galloping horses running around in our brain space right now. Let's pause and approach these from a more neutral, calm, and centered energetic state. Just doing that alone can cut down on a portion of what is happening in your mental space because you're choosing maybe not to pick up those thoughts. Uh, Maybe you realize because you took that pause, like you realize, well, dang, I was just thinking about something that's not even until next week. Um, Maybe I don't have to think about it right now, right? And you can allow then yourself to say the pressure that I'm feeling that makes me think that I have to process this from a mental space and a mental place of being constantly over and over and over again, we can stop and put on the brakes of that and put them into the proper perspective, which is, do I need to think about this now? Is it helpful to me that I'm thinking about this now? Or is it a distraction to me that I'm thinking about this now? Okay, so as you're starting to then get a handle on how much thinking and how much active um conversations you are having with yourself, then, you know, that is the part, like, in the the movie where they were like, clear your mind, right? He wasn't able to clear his mind, right? So he just grabbed at something that he thought 
would be a lighthearted situation that would help him uh, not get harmed by the evil overlord, right? But still that thought that was planted out there was able to be harvested, if you will, by the villain and then turned into something negative, all right? So the same thing with our thoughts that are coming through about our life as we're processing it. There is absolutely a need for those thoughts to have like a positive emotion associated with them or a negative emotion associated with them. You can start to see how many of your thoughts have that negative tinge and by negative, it doesn't have to be gloom and gloom. It could actually just be kind of anxiety and stress, a low-level kind of feeling of being apprehensive or concerned about a situation that you are thinking about trying to find the solution to. Um, so it doesn't have to be outright, you know, oh, the world is terrible and the world is going to end kind of gloom and doom thought creation, but it certainly can be things that while they are mild can be just as toxic um, over time. Um, and the over time part is where some of the obstacle courses that we encounter happen, okay, because the longer something is in our awareness, if we're repeating the same thoughts about it 70% of the time on a day-to-day -day basis and we're running through and creating a track, a pattern of all of that, then 70% of our brain juice, if you will, is going to things that don't necessarily need to be watered or fed to the level that we water and feed them. So certainly, like, knowing that you have to use your mind in, in order to process your reality. We're not meant to completely disassociate from the egoic or the ego aspect of our personality, which that is the part that is like looking after our well-being that is seeking to protect us. This is where our identity comes from. So we don't have to have all of that mental focus, but it's certainly, it's like the ego self, if it is allowed or given opportunity to turn and run it, run you, then absolutely it will give you sleepless nights. It will give you unrest. It will give you symptoms in your body, such as indigestion or ulcers. All of these things are from uneasiness created in our body element, largely related to what is happening within our mental realm. And as we know, we are beings that are biologic in nature. So the whole thought, the thinking, it actually is an active process that draws chemicals from the body. It draws uh, cellular energy from the body. There's actually frequencies like emitted out. It is not something that has a zero net cost to who we are. So that is another reason why, like, standing back from the thought place, 
gives us an opportunity to look at where we want to put our energy rather than our energy being consumed by something that is running away and out of control. So, you know, if we've taken this few minutes to kind of center, pause, and be in the now moment and decide, do I need to be spending mental energy on this right now, or is it okay for me? Do I give myself permission to pull back from those thoughts? Do I trust what is happening that I can relax and not have to keep thinking about it over and over and over again? And little by little, we can take things off of our mental plate. So on the one hand of managing what is happening within our framework, that we are easily drawn into the need to think about things, the need to problem solve, the need to process, all those kind of things are happening naturally as part of our personality, but it can become oversized. A lot of times we create a life where we might be bringing work home with us, and what happens then is as we're taking the work home with us, we're thinking, um, you know, we're thinking about the project or we're actually sitting down and uh, doing work in the evening time. Some people are doing work on their phones up until the point when they turn it off to go to bed. So it's like we've given like the large part of our waking hours to the thought process, and then when that bleeds over into our nighttime hours and we're ruminating, we're not sleeping restfully, and we wake up and immediately pick up the conscious train of thought that we didn't even hop off of as we laid our head down to sleep. This is energetically taxing and exhausting to us. Now, as we look to stand in the driver's seat and say, I am going to be more mindful of what is happening within myself, my mental body, and I'm going to put in a pause so I can evaluate and sense better what it is that I am spending this energy on. One thing that um, is very important to realize is that our society right now, especially like in the United States, is very much about competing for our thoughts and energy. So what that looks like is when you um, are watching a TV show, there is usually a cliffhanger that's right before the commercial break or uh, it's time just right so that you want to hear or listen or see whatever is coming next. And it, like say if your TV gets, time gets interrupted, then you're like, oh, well, I need to take the end of this because I need to see where it goes. And then up until the time that you actually watch it, you're probably thinking about all the ways that this plot could have been done. Did they do it? Did they die? Did they live? I wonder who killed them. So you're, again, seeing how there's an opportunity for your thoughts to be pulled into many, many different things. The commercials that we see, the things that we hear, and I'm just talking about in entertainment space. I'm not even talking yet about, like, the important valuable things such as politics and governance and societal things that are happening around you. I'm talking about just the things that we see as entertainment. 
there is a quality to those constant entertaining, constant stimulus, constant notification, constant plot development, constant cliffhangers, see what's next, think about what's next, that it's very easy for us to be pulled into that energy pattern. Not only do we have the internal conversations that have a possibility of creating a thought pattern, now we're being messaged at constantly for our attention and for our time. So the thought patterns that are uh, happening to us, we volunteer for some of it, and then other of it is about um, uh, what we're not even aware of is being sent our way to capture our mental attention. One example that I can give of this, it was very, uh, like, personal for me. Um, when I was in Mexico a couple years ago, I had opportunity to do a medicine journey with uh, ayahuasca. So as you know, or may or may not know, this is like a, a, a plant element that opens up different receptors in the brain and you have different awarenesses and you can do a lot of spiritual and soul healing when you're on one of these journeys. There are lots of pathways for that, you know, some mushrooms, peyote, ayahuasca, uh, frog medicine, DMT. I mean, there's all kinds of sacred pathways for people who want to kind of expand the brain consciousness and see what processes happen in terms of your understanding of who you are. So while I was experiencing this journey, I knew that I was supposed to be focused on my intention of what I had set before the journey, the things that I wanted to explore with that opportunity. But at one point in time, I found I became aware that rather than thinking about like the cosmos and the universe, I was actually thinking about the plot lines in the series um, The Wire. I had been watching it on like Netflix or something like that. I had been watching it, binge watching it over a period of a couple of days. And here I am in the middle of this jungle on this kind of psychedelic growth journey, and I'm sitting here thinking about the characters Stringer Bell and, you know, like these silly, silly little dramatic incidents that are, were part of the storyline were actually running through my head, taking my time and distracting me away from my inner journey and connection to self. And it was like I had this real clear understanding then that while I had been just mindlessly feeding my brain all of these stories and all of these plots and all of these movies and TV shows, that those things never depart from your mental awareness. So rather than being still in that moment of that journey, my brain went to go think about something, and it decided it wanted to think about the wire. <laughs> and so I, was, I had to come to, like, a certain point of awareness. It was like, no, 
that's not why I'm here. And I kind of giggled at the awareness myself as I was experiencing it kind of from an observer perspective. But it was, like, very clear to me then that, wow, I am really, everything I have ingested and have put my mental thought and effort to is still somewhere in my massive brain computer. And if all else fails, if there's nothing that I've given my brain to do, then my brain and ego would go pick up all those things and start to process them. And I mean, I was processing as if I was like a detective and how we were going to like catch them and where we were going to wire, excuse me, where we were going to wire them. I mean, it was totally silly, but I was completely in the persona of stepping into that fictional reality. So in real time, in real life, not on a medicine journey, right, in our regular day-to-day living, there are opportunities for us to be distracted by fictional realities. And let's say even maybe not even fictional realities, but there certainly are negative realities that can be put forward to us. So when we align with and begin to then worry about and contribute our mental energy to those situations and circumstances that are put before us, all of those things are drawing our attention and awareness. Now not, they're drawing it outside of ourselves by circumstances, situations, and things that we're not actually necessarily involved in personally, but we're thinking about them because it has to do with our society and our culture, for instance, right? So not only now have I given my brain like self perspective and my own little plots and dramas and things that I'm going through to think about, now I'm giving it all kinds of other things in terms of what I am seeing on the news, what I am seeing uh, presented to me through the media. Uh, all of those things now are piling on top of piles. So we've got piles upon piles of places where our thoughts can be drawn into. What I am doing for myself and what I advocate for everyone I know is to, again, put in a pause and look to examine where and what kind of thoughts I am picking up, why I am thinking about the things I am thinking about at any given time. So it's like the who, what, when, where, why, and how of thoughts, right? So it's like, okay, wait, who am I thinking of? I'm thinking of someone I don't even know who's a character on TV or a person in real life who I don't know and will never have a connection to. And yet I am sitting here thinking possibly about them and their circumstance. Now, is it necessary for me to do so? Sometimes it may be necessary for you. These are questions that you ask yourself, and sometimes there's never one single answer, right? This is just a framework to utilize on a constant basis. So who am I thinking about? Okay, I'm thinking about myself. Okay, well, that's a good start. Like, okay, what am I thinking about? I'm thinking about all the errands that I have to run in the next four days and all the time that I'm going to have and need to do them. By thinking about them, am I 
solving the problem? Is there an action that I need to take af after I think about this? Well, no, because I've already set my schedule and I've already made my appointments and I know what time I need to leave, so why am I thinking about it? I, I don't need to think about, you know, that thing at this point. That's where the why comes in. Why am I thinking about it? I'm thinking about it because I guess I didn't have anything else better to do because I don't need to take action on it. So do I need to think about it then? Actually, no, I can release the thought at that point. It becomes very much like a if this, then that dynamic. Is it necessary for me to think about this right now? Yes or no. Okay, why am I thinking about it? Maybe I'm thinking about something that I really don't have a decision to make or I've already made my decision, but I don't feel good about the decision that I made or I have some distrust or unease about the circumstances. So when I ask myself, why, why am I thinking about this? Well, you're thinking about it because you're worried, okay? So there is an emotion at the end of the thought the thought is just not existing out there in the ether. It's actually having an effect on my emotional body, my feeling body. So the things that we need to be most mindful about are the thoughts that are having an impact on our emotional reactions. So in the Ghostbusters analogy, the thought was then used to create a fear that then the Ghostbusters had to respond to. And the only way they were able to counteract it was by the massive groups of people who were observing this battle happening. They were given something that made them feel love and positivity, and that was to sing a song Nobody was trying to convince them, you know, to be happy. This was not a speech that was given to them. It was not a grand thought exercise. It was really like, let's play this music, and you guys are going to tap your feet and snap your fingers, and you're going to put arms around each other pretty soon, and we're going to be singing, and next thing you know, the happy vibration raises to counteract this thought-created monster. I mean, this is like an excellent, excellent analogy to me of what I can use on an ongoing basis to address what I'm doing with my mind space. So thinking things is one thing. Thinking things and then having an emotional reaction to those things is completely different. Why is the emotional part different? Because emotions are energy in motion. So our energetic response to our thoughts is more important than our action response to the thoughts. First of all, our action is not going to come until there has been an emotion because the emotion then drives our choice. The emotion that comes out of it is either, you know, the emotion is I feel suspenseful about what's going to happen on the plot. 
So I'm concerned about what I saw, and I'm going to hold through the commercial break, and I'm not going to change the channel. That's my activity. I'm going to continue to engage and give my focus. I'm not going to leave the house until I'm done with this episode. So it was an action or behavior at the end of the thought. Or it could be that I now that I saw something and it created a thought pattern in me, maybe I want to go protest somewhere because this thing has made me so upset by this thought that I've been encountering and the things that I've been thinking about. Now I want to go turn over table somewhere because I'm angry, I'm upset, I'm indignant, I'm disillusioned. That's what happens for a lot of people when we are overly tuned into the do's. If we're seeing all of the things that are happening around us, if we are seeing um if we are seeing things that uh are troubling to us, if we're seeing things that frankly just piss us off and disturb us, we're seeing those things, we're thinking about them and then we're feeling a certain way about them. And if those feelings are consistently negative, consistently angry, I mean, all you got to do really is turn on your news channel of choice for like more than an hour or two. Uh, politics, society it could be either side of the aisle. The things that you see, if you're focused in on that, it's making you think about this and you're thinking about that problem and you're thinking about uh, all the troubles and you're thinking about uh, the tragedy and you're thinking about the injustice and all that kind of stuff that you're thinking about and the emotional response to those thoughts then is circulating around in your body system. So, you know, in the movie and the Ghostbusters, he thought of something innocent that was supposed to be happy. Like the news is supposed to be where you go to get informed about your world and the day and things around you. So, but if that is informing you that the world is on fire, that there is nothing but gloom and doom and there's problems and we don't have any solutions for those problems, then your perception of the reality of the world around you is going to align with that reality that is being presented to you on a constant basis. Now, I'm not saying don't watch the news, but begin to have that pause in your processing before you move into repeated thought patterns and emotional responses to those external stimuli and circumstances. One of the ways that collectively we are, you know, moved into certain energetic states is through the mass messaging systems of what we consume on media. So if you were to turn on uh, the TV and watch an hour or two of news every day and then never leave your house and just experience the world as it's presented through you through television, you would find that actually the world right outside your door is probably a little different than the one that you have been aligning with that is the created reality, the theater, the big show, if you will. Now, I am by no means saying that there are not very real consequences to the things that we see on the larger scale. 
but we have more of an impact on our reality when we hold a frequency of positivity and that frequency of how we think about things and the emotions that we have about things, then it absolutely can shift the reality that you encounter when you exit your home. I know there are people who uh, would say, oh, my gosh, oh, you shouldn't move to the city. There's so much crime in the city. I mean, people just get murdered every day there. Well, if you are living in a rural area and you're looking at the news and that's your only encounter with that environment, then absolutely you would believe that there are people who are getting robbed, murdered, kidnapped, amber alerts, all that kind of stuff, that the world is actually a very hostile place. And so your reaction might be to say, well, I don't go. I don't go to Atlanta. I don't go there because, you know, I don't want to get robbed. If I go, it will likely be that I'll be a victim of crime. Well, you've adopted a reality based on what you saw in the news, when in real life it may be that outside and across the street from you or or down in Atlanta might be like your truest friend or a kind, compassionate person, but because you lived in a constructed reality, and a constructed reality that was not meant to actually create a most positive and loving reality for the collective. You know, there is a lot of manipulation in the messaging that is out there that is intended to create responses in us. Uh, And what that looks like in politics is that we see an issue and we hear a sound bite from somebody and there's something happening in the political theater, either locally or nationally, and next thing you know, your phone rings and it is somebody on behalf of the Demo-Republican National Party wanting to know if you will make a contribution to the campaign. And then we say, yes, I'm angry about it. Let me give you my money. You know, and so there's been an emotional response that then moves into an energy exchange. You have departed of your money, which money is your time, effort, and energy. In that particular case, you've now departed of your money as a response to this reality that is being fed to you. Now, I'm not saying don't participate in politics and don't donate to causes, but I am saying to examine what is happening in terms of how it, there are opportunities for external forces to move you without your being aware into a place where your emotions are manipulated, tweaked, or pushed, your buttons are pushed in order for you to expend your energy. In entertainment sense, it's like if you go to a horror movie or a suspense or a drama movie or a scary movie or a romantic movie, the whole point of that experience is you want to feel scared. You want to feel lovey-dovey. You want to feel thrilled, right? The goal of a movie, and the better the movie is, the better it is at making you feel and believe something. So for that two hours that you're in that movie theater, stepping into that movie-created reality on purpose in order to be entertained, you are absolutely experiencing the emotional response 
which means you're eating your popcorn faster, you're drinking your Slurpee faster, you know, you're gasping or you're crying. All of that is emotions that are purposely being manipulated in order to bring you back to the movie theater the next time for the next movie or the next sequel, to buy the DVD, to want to own the movie, departing of your energy more and more inconsistently. All I say is you have to step back, stop, and look to see what you are doing in your brain space, where you move what is in your brain space into activity space. Now, one of the most important reasons why we have to come into conscious awareness of what we are doing between those two dynamics is because our imaginations, the things that we envision for ourselves, start as thoughts, which are potential seeds. When those thoughts move into the material realm as either words that we say or things that we want to spend our energy on as an activity or things that we want to spend our money on as an energy exchange, those are all the parts of the equation. So from thought, seed, to planting and manifestation, and then you grow whatever it was that came from that thought into emotive and energetic exchange and then into reality. What is so important to realize is that actually the emotion should be the first place that you dwell. And by inserting that mindful moment, to become aware of the thought, to ask yourself those who, what, when, where, why questions, it puts you then in the driver's seat. So if I say, you know, I want to have my reality be a certain way, I can think about all the ways that my reality can be. I can sit down and I can imagine, well, I can have this job. I could move to this location. I could, I'm spending all this thought, thought, thought. Then what I do is I go out, you know, let's say I want to go find a house, and I, I have these thoughts about improving my life situation, moving to a bigger space. So then I go out and I do this activity just from the thinking space, not realizing that I am actually carrying an energy of stress. I'm carrying maybe an energy of anxiety. So while I am out expending my energy for things, those emotions are actually the vehicle that are carrying me into the steps that I make to manifest and create my reality. So what that looks like is, say I was stressed and feeling pressure to get an apartment or a house, and so when I went to look at places, you know, I thought about it and I thought about it and I thought about it, and I, I finally realized I made the right decision. There were no other decisions to be made. I went through my checklist, this, that, and the other. But all while I was doing that, I was thinking, oh, my gosh, I have to get the right place. I want to make sure this place is good. I want to do this. So I'm having all these anxious thoughts. And then even though I select a house that I think is right for me to move into, what I find is when I get there, the energy 
is still one where I don't feel at ease. And at home, I still feel a little low-level anxiety. And then maybe I think of a little bit of regrets, maybe like, well, maybe I shouldn't have picked this place. I shouldn't have picked the other. This is happening because I had a thought-driven experience rather than having an emotional energy that was then used to create and to move me into where I wanted to be. So as I've learned to shift that dynamic, what that looks like is I have my mindful time and my mindful moment when I've cleared things off my plate and I just am in that moment. I'm just me. I'm allowing whatever moves into my space to come in there, come out, to do as it will, but I'm not thinking, thinking, thinking. What I then move to is the next step, which is I hold the energy and vision of what I want my life to feel like, not what I think I should do. So the feeling in Ghostbusters that the people were feeling as they were singing this song about your love is lifting me higher, they started swaying from side to side and joined hands and all that kind of stuff. So the feeling of it was the most important part, and that is what defeated the Monster Marshmallow Man. Right? So the energy that you are holding in yourself it does not necessarily matter what you think your solution is. What matters is how you feel when the solution is actually achieved. So what that would have looked like in the new perspective for me is knowing that I feel safe in the home that I choose to live in. I feel secure, and when I come in, I feel comfortable, and it is beautiful, an environment where I get to have those who are special to me over to share meaningful times in this space, and all are welcome, and it is just a beautiful oasis, right? So I'm feeling that energy. I'm feeling what it's like to actually be living in that reality, and then... I can move out from the feeling space and then do the things that I am shown to do that will actually lead me to the reality or make me aware of where the reality is that is matching what my emotional state has already created. So that means that when I'm, you know, looking at properties or applying for jobs or any of all that kind of stuff, I've held my energy first of how I want to feel when I go to work every day, I, how I want to feel when I do what it is that I'm doing. That is more important than figuring out which companies to apply for. Because if you manifest from, if you create a reality based on a negative energy, then your reality must reflect back that negative energy to you. So you cannot create from a stress-free, stressed energy and then have a stress-free reality. And there are too many opportunities for external things to be able to derail your experience if you are not centering and grounded 
in the stillness of yourself, in the stillness of connecting with what you really want to feel in your reality. So it's like the whole thing of as a man thinketh, so he is. Um, you know, so as you feel it, so you are. So it does not matter, you know, your thoughts flow then from the emotional state when things are in the right order. And so if you are in the emotion of like being love and happy and secure and, and vibrant and satisfied with your life, then that thought bubble, that bubble of emotion creates then the reality that can come back to you. And if any of you have been following like the law of attraction, the teachings of Abraham, Esther Hicks, they're all talking about how we just are not realizing how much creation we really are doing. Um, and that most of what's happening is that we're accidentally creating these Stay Puff Marshmallow Man moments <laughs> for ourselves, okay? So one of, that's just part of what I wanted to have conversation about this evening. Now, we've got callers who have been listening on the line this evening. I've got caller 8164. Thanks for calling the Vibrarian Show. What do you think about the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man? Did you see the movie? And what do you think about the whole thought process? Caller 8164, are you with me? I will give them just a little time to come on to the line here. If anyone else is listening, if you do want to come on, just press the pound one key. That lets me know that you're ready and have something to contribute to the conversation. So um, it's so much things. Like I was at a dinner this evening, and somebody said to me, so what do you think about, you know, uh, the WikiLeaks guy and the fact that he got arrested. And I'm like, well, you know, I really try not to think about it at all, honestly, <laughs> you know, and that kind of sounded flip in the moment, and I realized it probably didn't sound that great. Um, but it's really true um, because to me, what I think about that situation is likely going to stir up anger, negativity, and there would be a whole conversation then about injustices, injustices, and conspiracies, and not conspiracies, and all that kind of stuff. But most of what would happen would be there would be an energy of stress for me, personally, because I would find myself getting upset, indignant, you know, uh, having having a negative response about it, which would then have affected me in the actual reality that I was experiencing. And to me, it was more important to be in the moment of having that dinner, celebrating the birthday, and being in high positive vibe of love and light than it was to just be talking about something for the sake of it, just the fact it's the issue of the day that's on the, the national and public plate, so to speak, for us to consume. So... I opted out of that particular slice of the conversation 
um, and redirected kind of within myself as I even started to get, you know, like, oh, well, what did he do now? What's going on now? I wanted to go into the rabbit hole, so to speak, and kind of look at these things. And I was like, no, I'm going to maintain my frequency and my vibration. And, you know, my answer to the larger problems that I see that are presented for us in reality, my answer is to be in my little emotional sphere and to make sure that I'm charging my sphere up with the emotion that um, that I the emotion that I want our reality to have which is love compassion light um, you know, so whatever I need to do to make my energetic state, you know, if I'm thinking about buttercups and daisies or, you know, something that is funny and uplifting, to me that is the best that I can do and to contribute because my frequency of happiness and things is creating a reality that matches that. So when I look around me, I see the happiness, I see the joy of the people I'm connecting with, I see, and all of us are kind of like, if we're mostly in the same frequency. So while things globally may look catastrophic, in the personal level, there are people around me who are really living their best life, who are like totally relishing with joy and excitement the things that they're having manifest in their life. And a lot of this is like, well, in spite of X, Y, Z, I'm doing blah, 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 when it's really not in spite of. It's the fact that this person or this, this energy is completely local. It is personal. Um, and so as you're sharing that personal and local mindfulness that is feeling the reality of oneness, that is feeling a reality charged with love, that is doing more to influence humanity than me writing a letter to my congressperson about something or, uh, or something like that. My act of doing and being in my reality, a happy person spreading on other happy realities and sharing with people who want to also dwell in that happy reality, one by one, person by person, that shared reality will and is already coming to a place where it is getting larger and larger. Now, you don't see this on the news. You don't read about this in the newspapers. This is not something that gets people to keep their hand on the remote and keep them from changing the channel. But it certainly is having an impact on people's lives in real and tangible ways every day. So if I am at a job that matches the frequency that I put out there that I love what I do, I enjoy getting up for it every day, and then I'm sitting at my job that matches that reality, and I'm feeling then 
the joy of my manifested reality, those people who then come to, say, my teller window at the bank and see me with happy energy, then that is going to make their reality, they have an opportunity to align with that positivity. Same thing if you're going through the grocery store and there's a person there who has like a poor attitude and they're having maybe their own personal issue and maybe they seem to you to be a Debbie Downer or kind of like a negative, surly energy or person, then that, if I'm not careful, that energy can also transmit into me from that person, kind of like a virus, and then my reality shifts to match that encounter. So maybe the rest of the day after that one nasty encounter in the morning, then maybe the rest of the day I wind up having more nasty encounters, and by the end of the day I'm like, well, dang, today I woke up this morning, I was feeling so great, and then I just ended up feeling so stressed. What happened? A lot of times you can go back, look at the who, what, when, where, why, and how, and say, oh, I had that interaction with a person who was experiencing a negative reality. It influenced me, and then I adopted my own version of negative reality, and I probably passed it on to other people throughout the day unknowingly, and therefore the chain goes on and on and on. I am believing that Acting from personal space is so much more powerful because, like, like-charged particles attract to each other. Your vibe attracts your tribe. Even though you are, like, if I'm smiling at my neighbor, my neighbor's smiling at me, then we have a friendly exchange across the street, and we have created between us then a little happy string, a happy connection that the energy exchange between our two residences is one of positivity. It's one of openness. If I have a nasty neighbor, then everybody knows what it's like to live where there's an uncomfortable dynamic between you and another person, the people above you in your apartment place or the people across the street from you who you've had issues with. We've all lived in situations where there has been a negative reality between us. And, um, excuse me, we've got people getting ready to pop in here on the show. So, again, that can turn like a whole street sour if people have a problem or a beef between them. And most of the times when you get to talking about, like, the actual situation circumstance, it turns out it really didn't have to grow as out of proportion as it did, but the negativity just fed and fed and fed and fed, you know. So um, the positivity can also be used to feed and feed and feed and feed. And I had to go, you know, they don't have meetings for, you know, like 12-step meetings for us to kind of get out of our our negative rut, but I was very much about, like, indignant for a long period of time about all the things that I was seeing um, uh, in society, and I was standing on my soapbox, and I was beating my friends about the head with, did you read this? Did you read that? Are you aware of this? I was so just trying to pass on what was stuff, but I realized that I was passing on 
real negativity. I wanted other people to be just as angry as I was about these things. I wanted them um, to be as fired up about something and to, to be able to talk with each other for an hour or two about how jacked up things were, right? But at the end of the conversation, 90 time, nine times out of ten, there was not a actual positive outcome from that negative exchange. And I developed certain friendships that that's what we like to do was talk about how messed the world was and we would spend our phone time and send each other articles and all that stuff. No wonder I ended up really feeling kind of soul sick and weary because I was upset and then I was upset that more people weren't realizing that they should be upset, <laughs> right? It made me upset that my little posts weren't being read by people because if they read them, they would know that there was so much more to be upset about, right? So I was trying to, like, let people know there's this negative reality here. You guys got to look how negative this reality is. Don't you see how negative this reality was? And I was aligned with perpetuating an energy that it wasn't healthy for me and it wasn't healthy for others necessarily to be ingesting. But I was trying to force feed it to people and then I was feeling indignant about those friendships when they were not as fired up as I was about the information. So I put in a pause. I had to stop my thought patterns I had to stop looking for, because I began looking for the scoop, looking for the negative thing to pass on. Like I created a thought pattern. Let me keep finding more stuff for, to share with people. Maybe this will be the one that lets them see how negative it is. Wait, it wasn't that article? Maybe it'll be this article that will be the one that helps you really get indignant and mad. Aren't you angry yet? Aren't you upset? <laughs> right? I was completely involved in a pattern that was frustrating me, that was wearing a loop down in my brain space to where my first thought was, this is, this is negative, this is bad, this is terrible. That's exactly what my reaction was. So I had to learn to insert that pause. That way my emotions were not being drug about all over through the mud and through the floor by external situations or external realities, things that I did not have a direct opportunity to even exchange in. So I was able, have been largely able to do that. However, I still have to practice like that constant kind of mindfulness because we we can't exist just in a bubble. We do have to step out into the world but I'm a lot more thoughtful about what I allow my brain to receive. I am a lot more aware about the nuances of the messaging that is being delivered to me, the marketing that is being done towards me, the ideas that are being presented for me to adopt um, I'm a lot more aware now, which awareness is pretty much half, it's more than half the battle. Like, so standing from a point of saying, no, I don't have to think about these things, and I'm going to choose how I'm thinking about them and the energy that I am having in response to them, all of those pauses, all of those spaces of being 
more mindful and being here now, you know, that has been able to shift me to a place where now I don't believe that that Rome is burning down. Yes, I believe there are problems that are out there, but I don't believe that the tower is on fire and that we all are going to die and it's all gloom and doom because my personal reality has created through my intentions and emotion and feeling of we're all one and that the world is truly filled with good people who want to make a difference and who are out here serving the human collective in beautiful ways, that has become my reality position. And so those other things tend to now feel more foreign instead of feeling natural. And that is because I have been able to erase or fill in some of those grooves that my negative thought patterns had created. Now, I don't think that those patterns are ever truly, like, um, erased and that I would probably be very susceptible and easy to be led back into those ruts, if you will. Um, I think that good therapy is excellent for helping to manage that, you know, and you do your work. Uh, I can definitely say therapy helped for me, you know, in terms of going to see a counselor and talking about things because I thought my reality was one way and it was making me very angry and depressed and soul sick about it. So being able to put in some of those tools of becoming uh, aware of what I was doing and how what I was thinking were creating my experience. I advise everybody, if you think you want to do some work and get some new tools, find a counselor, phone a friend, you know, find a counselor who you could talk to about putting in new structures instead of relying on those old patterns. One of the best books I've ever read that I love is The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And it basically talks about how we have this domestication, which means we think that things are a certain way because we've been told this is how they are. Um, and so it's like the old adage of that the way that they train an elephant is as it's a baby, they put the shackle on its leg. And at some point it just begins to accept that the shackle is going to be on its leg and that freedom is not even possible. And then they no longer have to shackle the elephant. It just does not even try to move outside of the range of what the tether or the rope normally allows it. So they adopt or become domesticated to this limited idea that was restricted in freedom for that, you know, say for the elephant. So to learn that we have been domesticated to think certain things and to be able to move out of them, the four agreements is very helpful because it gives you ways to insert that pause questions to ask yourself, am I taking this personally? Am I making an assumption? It's a great book. I highly advise that you go out and get it. But, you know, all of these things are teaching from different angles the same thing, the law of attraction, the law of manifestation and intention, thoughts are things. All of these are variations on the theme, which says that we are actually in a much greater role than what we may recognize by um, the way that we think about our lives and, more importantly, the way we feel about what it is we are experiencing. 
So I'm going to check back in with the phone lines here real quick again. Caller 8164, can you hear me? Hey, <laughs> how are you? Sorry about that early. And it's going to be interesting because it's going to actually tie in to exactly what you were um, what you were talking about. And um, I picked up a, a very, very interesting book called The Algorithms of Oppression. And it mm. speaks directly to um, social media and the continued historical discourse of different um, um, stereotypes and narratives to um, keep the machine going and in the same way, uh, spilling the same information. And And what's the name of the book again? It's called The Algorithms. Yes, The Algorithms of Oppression. Okay. Okay. So... I was I've been reading this because um because of my um aversion to technology to a certain extent I had to really examine my use and my dependency on technology and especially social media in in a turmoil that we're going through in the times now and I found myself just like you, really getting sucked into a lot of the negativity and the, you know the horrificness of everything that was going on, you know, from Black Lives Matters to corruption in the White House to you know Twitter posts and this, that, and the other. And what I started to learn was even I did not really truly understand the nature of the internet and the nature mm-hmm. of social media. And as you said, it's a marketplace. It's, you know, it's full of advertising, you know, and it's still continuing on with the same narratives of division, you know, racism, sexism, all that is still very much part of the controlling engines of these new technology highways. And because we are still somewhat technology illiterate, we are not even seeing how it is playing mind games with you to keep mm-hmm. you going. And, you know, we talked about fake news and, and different things like that and even having to create websites to debunk fake news. You know what I mean? There was <laughs> fake news that... um I think one that comes to mind that Trump, um, that the the Pope, you know, blessed Trump or something like that. You know, now everybody knows, kind of knew that. No, oh, nope, that's not right. But the fact that it was top of the search engine, front page, you know, French internet, first page news. It was like, oh, for a moment, you ran with it, and we don't right. even realize just how much. These these algorithms are sending us to places to keep us unbalanced. You know what I mean? To keep that energy of division, of you know what I mean, uncertainty, of guilt, and you know what I mean, of despair. To keep that rolling. You know what I mean? They they tell us, oh, it's user driven, and it's actually not. It's actually not because, right. remember, these are computers. Somebody is putting the information in there. 
So, you know, a lot right. of this stuff is being pushed of us. You know, as written media starts to die, it had to find another way. So right. here comes the digital highway. So now the same, you know, like, again, the same destructive, you know, and negative energy that they were kicking out before. Here we go, and we get it 24 hours a day in CNN, and now we have it 24 hours a day in our hands. So it's this, you know, I mean, right. it becomes the same kind of negative, you know, reality that has been normalized now. And that's how they want us to feel. They want us to feel unsure about ourselves. They want us to keep second guessing. They want, you know what I mean? And we have to find our way into finding ourselves enough to shine on the outside. Now, for me, it was literally coming away from social media like, okay, break. And even Mm -hmm. though my activism was still very high, you know, my anger and was still very, you know, at top percentages of what I was seeing going on as a collective, I knew that viewing and getting, allowing myself to be sucked into that, I wasn't doing any good. All I was doing was constantly thinking about it, constantly just speaking, but there was no movement. I had to figure out what was, how I was going to refocus that energy into a positive movement. And for me, that was getting more involved with my activism. That was getting to know the Internet a little bit better so that I can incite change, you know what I mean, in algorithms and be able to write about the discord and to speak about authentic narratives of people, you know, of different cultures than the normal constructive narratives that are going on today. And realizing that it wasn't just on that Internet. It was my everyday encounters with people. You know, a lot of that stuff, that Internet, you know, you walk into a cafe and everybody's on their phone. There was a time Mm -hmm. when you would come into a cafe and it would be noisy and people would be talking and laughing and enjoying each other's company. Now everybody got a light in their face, a spotlight on their face from a smart smartphone. We're not engaging. You know what I mean? And that's well, a part of really kind of allowing our energy to be sucked one way and forgetting what it is to just, like you said, chill out and talk to your neighbor. Meet somebody. Right. You know, interact, have you know, real um, connectivity. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I was going to say. You know, we talk about, like, an, in, in this technology age, which, of course, being in the United States, it's just indelibly uh, woven pretty much into our society that there is a technology of phones and TV and media. But all those things then are putting you to an external arena where algorithms matter where the coding is done, where the the marketing and product placement is done, all those things matter Mm -hmm. externally out there to Mm -hmm. the powers that be and the constructs that we've agreed as a society. But again, coming back into the self portion, the internal thing, then those things only matter as much as we allow them to and now the rank that yes. we put them. So if something mm-hmm. is important enough to us that we want to buy it, 
then we will absolutely convert our energy into the money through our labor and and whatever, and then Mm -hmm. we will invest that with no problem, especially something Mm -hmm. that we care about and are passionate about. So there's competition out there for our cares and our passions and things Mm -hmm. such as algorithms and and all of that are go hand in hand with that because the goal is to be placed so closely into our awareness that when the time comes for us to exchange energy that is the product we buy the place that we go mm-hmm. the thing that we do right but when self promotion product self said, product promotion mhm Right, but when we step out into the algorithm, out of the algorithm and out of the external, when you, like, walk out of your backyard and you see your grass is green or your grass is brown, you don't need an algorithm to understand and experience that that matter needs to either be watered or weeded, right? It's like in the Mm -hmm. now moment as you're standing on it, then you Mm -hmm. see what, and then you feel like a certain way based on your experience. That's why I talk about, you know, talking to your neighbor and how you act locally is more important Mm -hmm. than anything external. How you treat your grass when you see your grass is brown matters more than when they're trying to sell you, well, you just get your lawn treated every four months and then you don't have to worry about Mm -hmm. anything. We've got it all figured out. It's an algorithm. No, you Mm -hmm. go out, you touch your tree, you touch your plant, you look at it, you see what it's doing. Is it giving off an energy that feels healthy? That will tell you more. Does your neighbor, when you talk with them, do they feel like they're doing okay, like they're healthy? Mm-hmm. Or do they feel like they're maybe depressed or sad, right? So that, an algorithm doesn't have anything to do with, Ex- right? Exactly. So and he, I have an example. Nature, mm-hmm. I have an example of that because I had a neighbor, you know I me, mean? and that was my biggest thing. I always wanted to be a good neighbor, you know. I learned that from Mr. Rogers, good neighbor, you know. Could you be mm-hmm. my neighbor? And um, I hadn't seen my neighbor and a very hardworking young man. And um, usually we wave, but, you know, good energy exchange. And a couple of days ago, I was getting out the car. He's driving to his driveway. And he just, you know, hey, Monica. And I said, you know, hey, how you doing? And he just looked and he just stopped. And I was busy grabbing stuff out the car, and I happened to look again, and he's still sitting there. And he starts talking, and I really can't talk to him. Something said, you need to go and see what's going on and see what he's talking about. It was just a pleasant. He didn't look too good to me. But, Mm -hmm. you know, so I asked him, how many jobs you work in? He says, oh, I'm down to one, working long hours. You look a little tired. Two days later, that young man had a massive heart attack. Oh, my God. And I had no idea. And he's in ICU fighting for his life. And his mother-in-law, she happened to come over, you know, after 48 hours in the ICU, and she's clearly upset. And she says, I didn't think you knew, but, you know, he had a massive heart attack. You know, it's been, you know, iffy right now, and he puts two stents in his heart. But I just really felt that you needed to know. Now, for me being a spiritual person, I got the first warning when I seen him. 
So in that very moment of that interchange with that human, there was an energy that was passed that already told me I need to start sending energy because something's going on. You know what I mean? The second part was, yes, that's exactly what that was, and let's get to sending that energy of healing and, you know what I mean, and getting on that point of getting him back together. And to me, it was so important because he's just a neighbor. We don't, you know, I couldn't even go to the hospital because I didn't even know his last name. And that was Mm -hmm. so funny to me because I was like, I don't even know this man's last name. But here I am meditating in prayer for his recovery. And that's where Mm -hmm. the real connections tend to be. You know what I mean? A lot of our technology, yes, it's useful, but your real, real connections is going to be under mentorships, apprenticeships, real-life day-to-day conversations and energy exchanges. Another Mm -hmm. um, one book I thought about as you were talking was The Celestine Prophecies that talks about the energy transference and how people pull negative, will be full of negative energy, you know, engage you, throw your inner, their negative energy on you and suck your positive energy. They skip away and you having the worst day in the world. Mm-hmm. And for me, that book opened my eyes and how I chose to present my energy or even protect my energy. You know what I mean? And to be and in that. It, cha- it shifted it because it gave you a new perspective, which changed right. part of your thought pattern, which then changed your emotional response in a meaningful way so that your reality then flowed to a new dynamic. Right. This is an awesome conversation. I appreciate that you have called in, but I am running up on my time here, and I'm going to have to close the show here in about a minute and a half. So um, we're definitely going to talk another time, Monica. I always appreciate you when you call in because you bring thoughtful things to the discussion. Um, at being the vibrarian and the vibrary, I'm going to get these titles of these books out here for our listening audience and uh, the book about algorithms and, of course, the Celestine Prophecy. I think we're just going to have a book club night where everybody gets to call in and talk about life-changing books. What did you read that shifted you, that changed your perception, your reality, and shifted your thought patterns? Um, that's usually why things stick with us is because they transform us in some kind of way um, and that they open our eyes to a new paradigm, a new framework, something that then we no longer engage with the world the way that we did before we read those words or received that lesson or new framework. Again, thoughts are able to be shifted moving us into different realities. And I say that we start from the emotional first and then watch our reality fall behind that and match then our emotional state. You know, if you thought your neighbor was always out to get you, then you're not going to be kind and compassionate and you're not going to worry about them when they're sitting in their car looking tired. 
But if you look at your neighborhood as a place where we all live here, been living here for years, we have nothing against each other, you're just another me living across the street from me, then your reality is one where you pay attention to then what their energy is and you're aware that they're not feeling well and that something then happened to them. Total different two sides of a coin of reality, but I absolutely prefer to be in the emotive-centered reality that I am creating for myself and that others like me are also doing. Oh, thank you for calling and this evening, and Monica, I appreciate you. And to each of you who are tuned in, I so appreciate the time that you spend with me for these conversations from week to week. Uh, you can come back on Tuesday night for another interview with the Psychic Inside Show, and again next Thursday. I'm not sure what the topic is going to be, but it's going to be something that I think will be uh, elevational and enlightening. It certainly stimulating. As you could tell, we could continue talking and talking uh, probably till everybody falls asleep. <laughs> so to each of you, thank you so much for being here. I wish for you absolutely all of the blessings that you could possibly hold to overflowing. And those blessings spill out down your neighborhood, down the street, up the road, to your coworkers, to your colleagues, to your family. Those blessings are spilling out over your arms to the world around you because they are so abundant. Know that the light in me absolutely honors the light in you. Namaste. Namaste.